today to worship the King of glory. You lifted him up, hallelujah. When you woke up this morning, you said, I thank you, Father, for waking me up this morning. I thank you for your glory. I thank you for what you have done, hallelujah. And today, I'm going to give you the praise. I'm going to build the altar of praise to you. I'm going to build the altar that you're living. I'm your living God. Hallelujah. And we praise you. My God from glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just wave your hand. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is a good God. Hallelujah. He is good, and he's ever before us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder if I have somebody know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. My God from glory. Hallelujah. You know what the Bible says that? Fail not to assemble yourselves as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah. And the day is approaching. Hallelujah. The clock is ticking down. Tick, 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 tick. It's counting down. Hallelujah. Time is limited. Hallelujah. And guess what? Some of our work is not done yet. That means that we've got to get out and do the work of the kingdom of God. We've got to show forth his glory. We've got to declare the gospel, the good news to those that are bound. Hallelujah. And God has empowered us with his authority to go and set people free. Hallelujah. To heal the sick, to lay hands on those, on individuals, and they shall recover. Hallelujah. To cast out demonic powers that oppress people. We have authority. Somebody said we have authority. Come on, somebody else say, put some tenacity in it. I got authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, I got authority. Hallelujah, let the devil know that you got authority over him. Hallelujah, I give you power. Hallelujah, that's what Jesus told his disciples. That, that same power he gave them dwells in you. Hallelujah, he dwells in you. How many know Jesus dwells inside of you? And if he dwells inside of you, then that means you've got authority. You've got power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, no word from God is void of power. Every word that God speaks has got power in it. Hallelujah. He says, the word I speak, they are what? Spirit and they are what? Life. Hallelujah. When you speak, anything that's dead is going to come alive again. Hallelujah. That's why you should not worry about if your dreams are going to die. Just speak to your dreams. Hallelujah. He told the, the prophet, he says, tell those dry, these dead bones to live. Hallelujah. He spoke, looked at the dry bones. He says, what do you see? I see a bunch of bones in the valley. He said, speak to them. Hallelujah. Tell them to come back. Hallelujah. Speak to the winds. Hallelujah. And tell them. And the Bible tells us that all of a sudden skin came on them. Muscles came on them. And he said it stood up a great army. And that's what God is doing today. He's bringing an army of believers. He's raising them up. Hallelujah. To go forth and battle. Hallelujah. To do battle in this demonic kingdom that is going to be taken. In every kingdom of this world that is demonic in control, the Bible says Jesus is going to take over. Hallelujah. And every kingdom will become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to be glad about it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's get into the word of God. I've been talking about altars and I'm talking about how to, to build righteous altars. Altars are very important, and, and for, for, I'm just going to do a quick review real quickly. When we, talk about rights, when we talk about altars, we talk about gateways. We talk about the entrance in the unseen into our world. We talk about tr 
trading that takes place on altars. We put something on the altar, and what is unseen accepts it or denies it. People that are in the demonic, in, in, in that erect demonic altars are very familiar with it, but altars did not start with the demonic. Altars started with God. It was God's way in, in which to keep in contact with man as a result of the fall of man. And this is described in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, it says that when Adam sinned, it says this, it says that he took it, he made leave apron to cover himself, him and his wife, they made leaves and, and, and um, to cover themselves. But that wasn't good enough to cover themselves with leaves. They needed something else. And the Bible says that God made coats of skin, which means an animal had to die to cover them until the plan of God was put in place. The Bible says before the foundation of the world, he had a lamb slain, and his name was Jesus, to cover us, to cleanse us from our sins. But until then, they, man had to be covered with sacrifices, the sacrifices of animals, to keep them until the Christ would come. And so we find that throughout the Old Testament, altars was erected, and God commanded them to erect altars, but God gave them specific things to do in order to erect altars. But that wasn't provided to us until the law came into place in the book of Exodus. Until then, they were, sl they were slaying animals and they were putting on the altar wherever they wanted the presence of God to be noted or where they wanted God to actually enter in. They had to build an altar. And what came from that was a demonic altar from Cain. Cain slew his brother, and when his Cain slew his brother because of his offering, he made an altar, but that altar wasn't what God required. We all say God requires something. Everybody say it, God requires something. He requires what he wants, not what you want to give. He requires what he desires from you because what he desires from you is better than any ideal that we have. And so Cain offered up the fruit or the, the products from the ground. And we know by reading the Bible that the ground was cursed by God. And so Cain offered up things that were cursed from the ground, and God rejected it. And Abel offered up what God required. And we find that because God rejected Cain's offering, he was mad which allowed the demonic powers to come in because he offered up a cursed sacrifice. And so we find two altars being, uh, being birthed in this time, the altar of righteousness and the altar of evil. And so when we talk about the, these altars, we talk about an entranceway, a gateway, a place that the unseen world enters in. This is how the demonic world works. This is how we as believers how we operate and bring God's presence down. We just don't come into the house of God just to sing a song. We come in to allow the presence of God to fill the room. Amen. So that we can offer up. The Bible says we offer up what kind of sacrifice? Sacrifices of what? Praise. The sacrifices of our what? Our lips. He says you are a what kind of sacrifice? In Romans he says you are a what? Living sacrifice. 
you are living. That means that you have allowed, you have purposely chosen to take your life and give it to God, which means that you sacrifice your wants, your desires, what you decide, what you, what you, what you want to do, and you say, God, here I am. Lead me, guide me. You are Lord of my life. I sacrifice what I want, and I follow you. And so we, we bring a sacrifice, and we find also that before the New Testament came in play, we, think, we found, or the Holy Spirit came, we found that God lived in tabernacles made with man's hands, mobile tabernacles that moved, buildings that moved, or mo buildings that was built, and his presence dwelt there until the time that he could come into the temple that he desired to be in, which is you. You are, I am, the temple of the what? The living God. Amen? And our hearts are the altars. And what we place on our heart, what we've sacrificed to God, should be a choice. It should be something that you desire to do because that's how God operates. God does not operate by making anybody do anything. He operates by you make a choice. And he asks that you make the right choice. And so I just want to just kind of go over just a couple of things before I get into um, the details of a righteous, a righteous altar. Uh, in, in Bible study, we went over what the construction blocks were of a righteous altar, but I want to go into the materials that make the, uh, a righteous altar. And so we find that the different type of sacrifice that was done in the Old Testament had to do with the burnt offering. It was a voluntary act of worship to express your devotion to God. There was a grain offering that expressed uh, to God, your thanksgiving. There was a peace offering that, that denoted fellowship between the brethren and thanksgiving unto God. It was a wave offering that, that, that thanked God for the provisions that he made. And there was a mandated offering. And that mandated offering was to take a lamb and slay it. And this slay lamb was to keep with atone for your sins and cleanse you for defilement. Uh, one of the other things that, which I don't have time to get into, is the seven sprinklings of the blood that has to do with parts of your life that you and I must allow the blood of Jesus to, con to be involved in our life in. And so that's another part of the mandated offerings, uh, mandated sacrifices that God actually gave to us to implement in our lives. And so what was the purpose of this? The purpose was is that the gospel was about transformation. I know people preach the gospel of prosperity, people preach this and preach that, but God wants to transform lives. He wants to transform you. That's the purpose of the gospel. The purpose of the gospel is to preach the good news that you don't have to stay in the state of sickness. And the state of sickness that we all have come under when we're born in this, in this world is the state of sin. We were born twisted. The Bible says that we were born with iniquity, which actually means born crooked. We were born with transgressions. That means that we violated relationships. When you violate relationships, then guess what? You tear the relationship apart. And so what has God did was pronounce uh, um, a sentence on mankind. The day that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. 
which means you will be separated from me forever. But God had a plan, and that plan was that he was going to send his son in the body of Jesus Christ to die, to be the living sacrifice for our sins so that we could come back and have fellowship with him. But not only come back and have fellowship with him, but to, to correct the iniquity, to correct the fellowship that we violated, to make it so that we now can have fellowship with God and to take the crookedness out of us and make us straight. The iniquity to be literally transforms us from that iniquity or crooked state into a state of soundness, in a state of righteousness, in a state that we can stand before God whole and complete. And everything that I hear today points to, in most cases, are pointing to prosperity. It's about a me. It's about what I desire. It's about what I want. It's about I can live above my means. I can live in prosperity. And God does not, he, he, he desires that prosper, his people to be prosperous. But prosperity comes as a result of who you are in God because of your righteousness. He says, seek ye first the kingdom, his kingdom in, in righteousness, and he says he will do it, add all these things to you. Prosperity is attracted to righteousness. So I'm going to say that again. Prosperity is attracted to righteous living. It's also attracted to the wisdom that God gives us. And so um, why some of the things that have been preached and all that is good, and I, and I agree with it, but I don't want us to think that the, the, the main message of the gospel is prosperity. I don't want us to think that the main ma message of the gospel is to be prophesied to and that you get your blessing. I want you to understand that God wants us to be transformed. He wants our hearts to be transformed. He wants us to look like him, act like him, talk like him, manifest like him in the earth so that those that are in darkness can see a great light. And when they see that light, they can know that there's something different about you because you dwell in the light and the light is emanating from you, which means they can see the God in you. And they will want to be set free. The biggest problem that we have today is that we have lost the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want everybody to know, you know, I will preach hell. I'm not going to keep quiet on that because if I keep quiet on that, then somebody's blood is going to be on my hands. I'm not going to have it on my hands. I'm going to tell you the truth according to the word. And you can accept it or you don't have to accept it. But we all was born going to hell. You didn't have to try. You were going. I was going. But thank God Jesus sent his son into the world to save us, to snatch us out of the pans and the jaws of hell that we can be set free and live with him forever free. And that means that you don't continue in sin. That means you come out of it. He says, come out from among them and be what? Separate, said the Lord. And all through the Bible, it talks about the fact that we're supposed to be people that are separate, that stand out because of our life, because we live and act like God that is in us, the God that is in us. Amen. And so, so one of the things I want, I want to set in, in, in play is that to understand the altar because the altar is where transformation happens. If you have an encounter with God, it's obvious that 
you had something to do with him coming. You built an altar some kind of way. You were asking. You were pleading. You put something out there. You repented. Something happened that caused God to come. And I'm going to show you that in the scriptures. Okay? So let's go to Exodus chapter number 20. Start with verse number one. These are the Ten Commandments. And some of this, I'm going I'm to go, go quickly on, on some of these points. I'm going to get to the, the, the material of the altar, how to build the righteous altar from within. So these are the Ten Commandments that God tells Moses. He gives it to Moses. And his, the, the first five, as most of us know, has to do with our relationship with God. Have no other gods before me. He tells us that. He said, and God spoke all these words saying, I am Jehovah your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, which means I brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you and out of the house of bondage and you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourselves any grave images of any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above or that is in the earth beneath or that is under the waters of the earth. You should not bow yourselves down to them, nor serve them. For I, Jehovah your God, is a, is a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the sons of the third and fourth generation of those, notice what it says, those that do what? Hate me. So what God is actually saying is that I'm the only one that count. Anything else that is in your life that you put above me is an idol. And that really talks about some of us today when we got so much stuff going on. What is the most important thing in your life? And if it is, do you act like it? God has to be first. And if God is first in your life, everything will fall in place. And so we have to be very sure about our relationship and God being first in our life. That's the first thing is that your heart must look to him, the author and the finisher of your faith. You must see him as the only one, the apple of your eye. I'm not talking about from a worldly standpoint. I'm talking about from your whole being. He is the only one. He is the apple of your eye. He is the lover of your soul. He is the one that you look to. You can't look to the, to the, the north. You can't look to the south. You can't look to the east or the west. You can't look to any of those. You can't look to people. You can't look to your parents. You can't look to all of those things because ultimately we have limitations, but he has none. So we got to look to him for everything. He must become the first and foremost. And the second part of this has to do with um. Exodus, uh, um, verse number 11. He said, in the sixth day, Jehovah made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rest the seventh day. Therefore, Jehovah blessed the Sabbath and sanctified it. He says, and which it means is to enter into my rest. You see, we need to enter into rest because one of the problems that we have, we're working too much. And I'm not even talking about working physically or going to work. I'm talking about you working too much on trying to be who God tells you not to be. And some of us are too, do, working too hard to try to be what God told us to be when we ought to enter into his rest. The Bible says that the Israelites could not enter into the rest of God because of their what? Unbelief. 
We need to start trusting and believing the God that we serve, and that means that we can rest. Don't worry about what you eat tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Doesn't God feed the birds? Doesn't he cause everything that is in nature to have a meal for that particular day? And he says we are much greater than all of those things. And so if he can feed them, he surely can feed you. He surely can make provisions for you. But why it doesn't work is because we don't believe the word. And if you don't believe the word, then you, you limit God in your life because you don't build an altar to him. You don't allow him to come into your life by thanking him with prayers of thanksgiving, thanking him for the things he promised. And most of our prayers are missed. And the reason why our prayers are missed is because we weep on ourselves our own lust, our own desires, instead of saying, Lord, I thank you for the provision. I thank you for the promises that you've given me. You said in your word that you will supply all my needs according to your what? Your riches and glory. So I know you're going to provide for me. I don't know when it's going to come, but I'm going to stay right here because you said it. I'm not moving because you said it. I'm not going nowhere because you said it because you promised it. I know that is going to happen. Amen. It says, honor your father and your mother so that your days, your days may be long upon the land which Jehovah, your God, gives you. And we know that many young people are dying daily because they don't honor their mothers and fathers. We have a generation that is a, a, a rebellious generation that's coming up, and basically it's our fault. Just being honest. We don't discipline them. Johnny's so cute, but when Johnny grows up and he does something he has no business doing, then he feels that like he has the freedom to do it because there was no guidelines in his life because we let them do whatever they want to do. And we need to take the range back. Be parents. You're supposed to train them. We're supposed to train them in the way in which they should be raised. And so, so when they go off on their own, they will not depart from the way. It's called home training. So we got to get back to home training our children. I know little Johnny is cute. I know uh, little, little uh, Susan is wonderful. But if you don't put something on Susan and put something on Johnny, they're going to turn against you later on. It's a true statement. And I, everybody said, oh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not for abusing kids, but I'm sure for giving them a good spanking every once in a while. Give them some, remind them who you are. Show them the way. Because if you don't show them the way, then you're going to have a problem when they grow up. Because they have no discipline. That's why I was watching something and this young lady, she was like, her teenage, like 16, 17, and she's mad at her mother. And why is she mad at her mother? Because she wants a G-Wagon. And she says, I'm not, I, I, she said, I will accept it, but... Uh, uh, she's, uh, her parents said, well, we want to give you a, a, a Mercedes. And she said, I don't want a Mercedes. I want a G-Wagon. Well, the guy says, well, that's $200. She said, that's what I want. And some of us will try to break our back to get our kids what they want. I know I'm losing people now, but that's okay. I'm just telling you the truth. You have to discipline them. This is our relationship between us and our children. Show them the way. 
Show them righteousness. Show them that there has to be discipline in their life. Show them that sometimes things is not going to go your way. Show them that sometimes you're going to be disappointed in life. Sometimes you can't get what you want. you got to save up for it and work for it. Nobody's just not going to give it to you. Sometimes you've got to work for things. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about a laborer is happy because what he labors for, he earned. Because he finds value that he worked to get it. Amen. And I know everybody's not going to like that, but that's just tough. I'm just trying to tell everybody because we're coming up in a generation. There's a generation that the Bible says is going to come up and they will not know God. They won't know God, which means their conscience is not going to be aware of God, and so they're going to be undisciplined. Amen. We can't break up our homes. Since I'm on this, I'm just going to tell it like it is. We can't break up our homes because the husband don't like what the wife did and the wife don't like what the husband did as far as anything that has to do with, well, you put your shirt over here and I want it over here. Some things that we do just don't make sense. There's no valid reason. You married her, you got her. <laughs> Amen. Well, we are not compatible. Well, you should have thought about that earlier. I'm just going by what the Bible says. Now, y'all have to get me, you know, I'm going by what the Scripture talks about. And in Corinthians chapter 7, it talks about the, con the conduct of marriage and what we're supposed to do and why we shouldn't do it and all that. Because marriage is a reflection of the image. And that image never separates from you. Marriage is a reflection of the image. Amen. This says, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. There shall not bar, bar, bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor your, covet his, your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his oxes, nor his ass, nor anything that is your neighbor. You should not cover it over it. You're not going to be like the Joneses. You're going to be like you. Amen. And so these scriptures talks about relationships between husband and wife and family and friends and neighbors. So there's two things that he says. He says that put me first and deal with relationships correctly. Amen. Give me chapter uh, the, the 18th. So I want you to notice what happens. Right after verse number 22, right after he gives the commandments, right after he gives the commandment about your relationship with God, after he gives the commandments about the relationship with each other, mankind, then he goes into, this is what I want you to do. I want you to build an altar to me. And Jehovah said to Moses, so you shall say to the sons of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from the heavens. Okay? And you shall not make, you shall not make with me gods of silver, nor shall you make to your gods of gold. 
You shall make, make an altar of the earth to me. You shall sacrifice. You shall make an, al an altar of the earth to me. And shall sacrifice it on the burnt offerings and your peace offerings and your sheep and your, your oxen. In all these places where I record my name. Notice what it says. In all these places where I record my name, I will come to you. And I will do what? Bless you. So when he says, if you build an altar to me and you build it right, guess what he says? I'll come to you. And now when I come to you, I'm going to bless. I'm going to have a blessing with me, and I'm going to bring it to you. That's what he tells them. Build me an altar. Make sure you have a relationship with my relationship with you is right, and make sure your relationship with people is right, and build me an altar. And when you build me an altar, my name will be there, and I will come to you. So the question is, what does your altar look like? What is your relationship with God? And what is your relationship with your brothers and sisters? And so when you come in to bring God an offering of praise, when you bring God an offering of your life, when you bring God the sacrifice of your lips, is he coming to you? Is God, he promised that if you do it right, guess what he'll do? He'll come to you. And when he comes to you, he's going to do what? Bless you. Isn't that what the scripture says? I hear somebody saying, but we're in the New Testament now. What, that doesn't make any difference because the Old Testament is Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed, which actually means that this application is going to be revealed in its entirety. So in the New Testament, what we find is that we bring him sacrifices of praise. When we play our music, when we sing our song, it's supposed to be a reflection of what is really going on in your heart. Do you really sing to him because you want to sing to him or you sing to him because they said so? Or because the beat of the music? Or because of the sound in the atmosphere? Or you're moved by an overflow of the anointing on somebody else's life so you feel it and so you move, but your heart is still thinking about other things. What is the idol that is in your heart that is keeping you from really praising him? Is it the sickness? Is it what is going on with you to keep you from really focusing on him to behold who he is? Tell me, tell me what's going on. What is the idol there? I'm, I'm sick. God didn't say anything about your sickness. He said, bring me the sacrifice of praise. Because if you bring him the sacrifice of praise, he'll come to you, which means if he comes to you, he's bringing all the power that he has with him, and the Bible says he'll bless you, which means that you can get healed in the midst of your praise. You can get delivered in the midst of your praising. You say, well, I, I'm bound up. Forget about being bound up. Think about the freedom that you have in Christ and give him what he wants, and he'll come to you and set you free. Bring him a righteous life you'll get set free. Bring him a sacrifice of praise that actually emanates from the heart. Don't give him an excuse, well, I'm tired today. He didn't ask you that. He didn't ask me that. If you come tired, you might be physically tired, but guess what? You got to move something. You got to express something. Well, I, I'm so sick, I can't get up. Well, wave your hand. I can't wave my hand and blink your eyes. Do something to express that you're in love with him. 
Don't do nothing. He said, well, I don't have anything. You got a voice talk. You got a voice sing, hum. Whatever is in you that can move, whatever is in you that you can echo, whatever is in you, you ought to bring in what you have. He didn't ask you to bring anything else but what you have. Matter of fact, one of the laws of the altar is don't bring me any hidden stones. And that means stones that you've been cut the way you want it cut, and you're going to present him a cutting stone. He said, bring me who you are, and I'll deal with it. Don't bring me a something that you have configured in your ideal of what it should be like. He says, I want you the way you are, and guess what? I can fix you. That's one of the laws. Notice verse 25. It says, and if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of cut stone. For if you lift your, up your tools upon it, you have defiled it. Don't bring God a sacrifice that encompasses your sickness. Don't bring God a sacrifice that's mixed in with your emotions because you're mad. You have defiled your altar. Come to God, and if you got a problem with somebody, what does the Bible says? And he even says in the New Testament, he says, if you have a problem with somebody, in Matthew chapter 6, if you have a problem with somebody and you bring your gift to the altar, don't lift that gift up. Don't lift it up at all. Don't do it. Because if you do it, then that means you have polluted your offering and you have offered up strange fire. Leave it at the altar. Go reconcile to your brother and bring, come back and then give it. But we come in with all kind of stuff going on. We got all kind of stuff going on. And I think it was in Psalms. She mentioned it earlier in the song. It said, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Those that have what? Clean hands and a what? A pure heart. And in the old type of application, what you find is that all altars was built in the high place. So who is, who is qualified to go up to the high place to offer sacrifice? Before you can go up there, you got to have a clean hands and you got to have a clean heart. That means you have to prepare yourself. So I said, I need to prepare myself. Y'all low talking. We need to say, I got to prepare myself. If you're going to go before God, you got to prepare yourself. You just don't come to God in any kind of way. You come to him with respect. You come with him with praise. You come with him thrown in him. You come to him declaring that he sits on the circle of the earth. He commands the morning. You come to him knowing that you're the creator of all the universe. You are the God that created all things by the word of your mighty power. There's no other God like you. When they put you in with other gods, you stand out because every other God will bow and you'll still stand. You got to declare it. You got to say this. And this is one of the problems that we have is that we're putting everything up before God instead of putting him up as sinner. Got to put God first. Otherwise, you're putting up what strange what? Fire. You're putting strange fire. And so it's God's, it's God's, it is God, it is God's purpose to transform you on the altar. It is God's purpose to transform the altar. What does that mean? That means that 
God is trying to go, go, let you go through a process of transformation. So when you get to the end of your process, you are in the image. You're in the image that you behold. And, I don't, and, and, and it's, it's, it's so true that uh, people want to be like those they worship. When Michael Jackson was alive, everybody was walking around with silver gloves on. They were doing dances. They were mimicking him. They were doing things like that. And that's an indication that you have an idol going on, and that's an indication that you worship him because you wanted to be like him. And we got that stuff going on today. We worship preachers, the, the best preacher. He can preach good, and he can, he can hum, and he can just say, oh, God, you're wonderful. And, and we're shouting and jumping, and we want to know who's preaching because we want to hear the best preacher. Well, we should be saying, I want to hear God. I want to hear the word of God. I want to hear what God is saying. I don't want to just know about what the preacher is saying. I want to know what God is saying. Because we as preachers, we can interject a lot of stuff in our voices and our preaching and all that kind of stuff. And everybody just eat them up. One preacher I met, he says, he was going out to the preach to the crowd, and he says, when I go out to the crowd, I'm going to show you how gullible the crowd is. I'm going to start talking about hamburgers. And so he got out there and he got it going. He, he says, and God is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Lift your hands and say yes. And everybody say, yeah. And he says, God is ever-present. Everybody say, say yes. And he says, yes. And he says, he will move like no other God. Hey, yes. Everybody going. And everybody's going. Then he said, oh, lift your hands and say hamburger. Everybody, hamburger, hamburger, hamburger. They, yes. They didn't even catch it. Because we're not hearing. We listen to the tones. We're listening to the rhythm. And we're not listening to the word. Amen. That's why anything I tell you, I always tell everybody, check me out. See if what I'm saying is true. Don't go by what I'm just saying. Go by what the word says. The check and balance. Everything's got to have a check and balance. And we check everything by what the word says. Don't just do it the way you want to do it. Do it the way God wants to do it. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll be jumping all over the place. Hallelujah. And so there's a foundation in which we need to build on. Jesus is the foundation. How many know he's the foundation? And he puts upon us as his people requirements. Somebody said requirements. We've got to have requirements. There are things that God is looking for us. God is just not going to transform you just because he wants you to be righteous. Somebody said he wants us to be righteous. Come on, say it loud. He wants us to be righteous. I've got to get you to say it. He wants you to be holy. And holy has nothing to do with wearing a big long dress and your blouse up to here or your suit, black suit on and a black tie on and your pants is as baggy as it could be. Holiness has to do with being in the image of God and being obedient to the word. That's what it's about. It's not about transformation happens when you can take what God says in his word, listen to me, God takes what, you, what he says in his word and he writes it on the tables of your heart. 
which means that if it's once it's on your heart, you're transformed. That means you lose the desire to do that thing that got you bound one time. Now you're free for who the sun set free is what? Free indeed. Why you have to have the sun? Why do you have to have the word? Why is it who the sun set free is free indeed? Because the sun is the word and it's being put in your heart. And when he comes into your heart, he changes your heart, which means it changes your action. It has to be changed. Come out from among them and be what? Separate yourself. Get over your past. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were talking about their past. I said, all things have what? Passed away. Behold, all things what? You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. That means that everything about you is new. Don't allow people to bring up your past when God has forgiven you. They don't have that much power. Only God has the power. And God says, I purposely throw it into the sea to remember no more. So whoever's bringing up your past, the enemy is using them to keep you bound. Amen. Praise God. According to you, you should have said, Because <laughs> we got to remember something. We got wars going on. We got rumors of wars going on. We got false people rising up saying that they are Christ, which means they're anointed. And most of them are not anointed. They're anointed by a devil. And people are flocking to them by the thousands. And if the blind leads the blind, they'll do what? All for what? They're not teaching the gospel of transformation. They're teaching the gospel of, 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 of prosperity. They're teaching the gospel of power. They're teaching the gospel that you are anointed. But guess what? They're not teaching the secret of the power, which means it has to have to do with character. Jesus says that my father hear me always because I always do the things that's pleasing to him. This is the secret to the power of God. This is the secret to the anointing. This is a secret how you can access God by being obedient to him and having a life that has been transformed by him. You want more power, more character. The more character you get, the more power you have. The more anointing in your life. Somebody ought to say amen. Everybody's not saying too much. But I'm going to tell you about some of the things that we do that we recognize that we, 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 we're going to have to recognize that we're doing because one of the problems that we have, even though I can read in Matthew 6 and Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and he talks about how we conduct ourselves toward others, there's something that is a problem. We got something inside of us that needs to be corrected. And all has to do with Anger. We get angry, and, and I told you last week that, you know, when we call, when we tell, say to somebody, Raka, the, the Bible says, if you call him Raka, he says, you're in danger of the judgment, which means that you're calling them stupid. When we get angry at our brothers and sisters, we, we call them names. 
and we call them names, you better be careful because you could put judgment on yourself. Ain't nobody saying nothing, but it's okay. God told me a, a couple of weeks ago, he, in prayer, he says, I want you to look at Proverbs. I just keep reading Proverbs, and I keep reading Proverbs, and I kept reading Proverbs because Proverbs is the wisdom of God. Somebody said Proverbs is the wisdom of God. And so I'm going to read some of these scriptures to you, and you'll probably recognize them, and maybe you won't, but this has to do with searching your own heart because a lot of us are bound by stuff. And when we talk about the Corinthians, the seventh, uh, the, I think it's this 10th uh, chapter, it talks about casting down imaginations. And when it talks about imaginations, it talks about the way we think. We're talking about it, uh, and, and uh, we're talking about how we look at certain things. Um, and we say certain things, and we say it out of a mindset. You see, we use that as a, 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 a warfare scripture. And it's a warfare scripture that has to do with your minds. It don't have to do with a demon. It has to do with your mind. Because you're fighting in your mind. I need to read that. So let's go to chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. Because I want you to see it so you can see what I'm saying. Because we need to get this. And I'm going to be finished. Chapter number 10. Somebody say amen. Say God is good. Amen. Y'all kind of slow on it, but it's okay. <laughs> Notice what it says. It's verse number two. I beseech you that I be not bold when I am presented with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as we walk according to the flesh. Which means Paul had such a personality that he was conf confrontational. He would, he, would, he would withstand foolishness. He would stand up to you. And it didn't matter what you thought about it, he was going to tell you the truth. And this is what he says. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are what? Not what? But what? Mighty through God through the pulling down of what? Stronghold. That word stronghold in the Greek means fortresses. It means a fortress. The picture is, is that a fortress has been built, and in this fortress you sit, and nothing can get in and nothing can get out. It has to do with the way that you think. Some of us are very staunch on things. If we, get no, if we get yesterday's revelation and a new revelation to add to that revelation, we refuse the new revelation because of the fact that it somehow doesn't correspond with the old revelation that we got 10 years ago. But how many know that God's word is continual? He'll continually give you revelation on it. Now, notice what it says. Casting down what? Imaginations, his thoughts. Strongholds. Casting down what? Imaginations. And every what? High thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every what? Every thought to the what? Obedience of Christ. Which means that the thought that has got you bound, you need to put it in prison. And you need to torture it with the word until it confesses truth. 
What does that mean? That means if the enemy says that you're going to die, you're going to, you're going to keep confessing, I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. You're going to keep saying it, and you're going to keep saying it, and you're going to keep saying it until you bust out of that mindset. When you bust out of that mindset, you're free. You got to change your thoughts. We got to change our thoughts and our patterns. So Proverbs gives us wisdom about certain types of thoughts that we have and what we should do to deliver ourselves from those thoughts. Okay. So Proverbs 11, 9, just going to read a few of them. A hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, he sh she, through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Did you hear what I said? A hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is? They act like they're doing something they're supposed to, but they don't. And so a hypocrite <laughs> with his mouth destroys his neighbor. This is a good one here. Six things this Lord said I hate. There's six things that God said. Now, when God hates something, that means that that's a problem, right? When God hates some stuff, there's a problem, right? But when he calls something an abomination, that's a double problem. Y'all know that? Sixth thing does the Lord hate. Seventh are an abomination to him. Knows what it says. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that are swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. And the last one, which is the seventh one, which is abomination, is he that soweth discord. You know what discord story is, right? I'm going to put it real simply. Somebody that causes separation. Anybody saying nothing? They talk about people. And in them talking about people causes people to do what? Separate. God says, that's an abomination to me. I didn't say it. He said it. Ain't nobody saying nothing. Thou shalt not rise up a false report. Put, thy not, put not thy hand with the wicked to be un an unrighteous witness. If you don't know, stay out of it. Don't agree with something that you don't know about. Because now you become part of the false witness because you're bear witness of something false. I'm talking about these are the, fun, the fundamentals of the materials of building a righteous altar, which means you got to change and I got to change my heart to line up what the word is saying. Because if I don't line up what the word is saying, I'm going to find myself in trouble. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, he that utter slander is a fool. Did y'all hear that? Get, why y'all getting so quiet? <laughs> he that covered, now listen what it said. He that covered a transgression seeketh, transgression seeketh love. He that covered a transgression seeketh love. But he that repeats a matter separate very friends. You know, when somebody tells you something in secret, 
about problems and stuff they're having, you're not supposed to reveal that stuff. Ain't nobody saying nothing. But you go back and tell, say, make this statement, and you know how everybody knows this, this, this pattern, that you go to somebody and you say, hey, don't tell nobody. <laughs> don't tell nobody. Shh. But did you find out that, 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 that? And by the time it gets to the other side, the whole story has changed. Anybody saying nothing? Everything has changed, and then you're looking at the person. I'm looking at Courtney like she did something. What you? I heard about you. I'm saying this in my mind. I'm looking at you. You have no idea what I'm thinking about you, but I'm looking at you funny. And when I was talking to you before, now I'm not talking to you. I have separated from you because of what somebody else said. Ain't nobody saying nothing. Now, Courtney, she, she ain't done nothing. <laughs> I got to make sure I say that, make that disclaimer. Courtney ain't done nothing. Because somebody go out there, the pastor said Courtney did something. <laughs> Courtney, know if I, she did something, I would tell her. And if I did something, she would tell me. <laughs> she told me a couple times about some things. Proverbs 11.13 says, a, a tattlebearer reveals secrets, but he that is a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Did you hear that? A tattlebearer reveals secrets, but he that is a faithful spirit conceals a matter. A hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. Oh, I read that one already, okay. I'm going to do one more. <laughs> in 1 Timothy 5.13, it says, And wherewith they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattletellers, also busybodies, speaking things they ought not. So why am I saying all this? What I'm saying all this for is because God wants to transform your heart. He wants to get us out of the mess and get us into righteousness. Because if you want the blessings of the Lord to come to you, if you want God to come to you, you got to get your offering and your sacrifices correct. You're not going to offer up to God sacrifices of strange fire with your lips. Your heart is saying one thing and your lips are saying something else. It doesn't work. Jesus says, he says, they, with their lips they say, Lord, Lord, but their heart is far from me. Don't come in acting as though you love him when you really don't. For if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You run out of the church and on the next day you're ready to drink smoke and do all the stuff that you want to do and then you come back to church praise the lord hallelujah isn't god good yes he is good you're still living <laughs> yeah, i didn't catch that <laughs> he didn't strike you down because his mercy endures forever and is renewed morning by morning. He gives you mercy. He gives us mercy. Even when we mess up, he gives us mercy to straighten it out. He gives us time to straighten the mess out. And then he won't hold it to your charge once you repent. Ain't nobody saying too much. 
Somebody say hallelujah, praise God. Somebody say hallelujah, thank God for some truth. <laughs> Let me just give you some, 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 what God wants to do for you. Because God wants to bless you. I know people talk about blessings, but there's a missing piece to blessing plan. Because people always talk about blessing, blessing, but they never talk about positioning yourself for blessing. And when they talk about trying to position yourself for blessing, all they talk about is, in, is, is, is putting money in and got the money to come. But they never tell you that while you're putting your money in, you got to straighten this up. The biggest deception in the church that people say is that the devil's always messing with you. He's not always messing with you. We keep messing with ourselves. Why, why is that? Because we think that God is punishing us. We think that God is doing things for us, is doing things against us. But God is not doing that. This is the principle of the gospel or the principle of blessings or the blessing of God works like this. It's actually in the book of Revelation. We also find it in the book of Kings, I believe, and also in the book of Genesis, where it talks about what God is blessed cannot be cursed. How many are blessed? How many are saved today? That means you're blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. So if you're blessed, that means that you cannot be cursed. Yes? And Balaam said, I'm going, I can't, I can't curse the people. Because everywhere I look, I see the blessings of God. I see the shield around them. Because everything around them tells me that God's hand is upon them and I can't curse them. Well, you got to do something, Balaam, because I, they can't keep going on the way they are. Because if they keep going the way they are, they're going to overcome the land. They're going to they're going to they're going to they're going to win. They're going to win the battles. They're going to win. They're going to win everything, and we're going to be left penniless. We're going to be left with nothing because they're blessed. And people don't understand that what's happening is, is that he says this. Okay, I, since I can't curse them with word curses, I'm going to teach them the ways of Balaam. I'm going to teach them something different to get them away from serving God. So I'm going to start throwing little stuff into your worship. I'm going to start throwing little ideals in the worship. It don't have to be like that. That's what they did 15 years ago when they started the, 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 the super sensitive church. Take sin out of your message. Stop the Sunday schools. Stop telling people that they're sinners. Tell them they just need God. Tell them. Get rid of the prayer meetings. I mean, get rid of prayer? Are you really serious? The bloodline of the church is prayer. The power line is communicating with God. Are you going to take prayer out of the church? There will be a problem. There was. They found out that people did not grow. People started coming to church for all the activities instead of coming to church to grow in Christ. 15-year survey said that these people were less spiritual than they was when they first came to it. Because they took the fundamental principles 
of transformation out of the word. Anybody, everybody listening? And so what we need to do is we need to go back to the foundation. So we need to be transformed. So here's what the Lord said. Trust in me, in Psalms 37, he said, trust in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give you the, he shall give thee the desires of thy heart which actually means that he, he'll give you the desires. They're not in your heart because your heart needs to be changed, but when your heart is changed, he'll give you the desires of your heart, and the things that you desire that is righteous is going to be the foremost in your life, and God will give them to you. God wants you to be married. God wants you to have a good relationship. God wants you to have children. God wants all these because that's part of God's plan. So God cannot deny that from you, but we deny it from ourselves because of our actions. Because we step from under the blessings of God. Notice this, and, I, and this verse is just keep coming to me all the time. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. So submit your actions, submit your way of thinking unto the Lord. And this is what he says. If you do that, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He'll bring it to pass. It's so simple. Follow Jesus, and you'll have the blessings. I don't have to have a big program of promoting money and all that. All I need to do is tell you to follow Christ, and you'll get the blessings. The blessings will follow you. You're blessed going in. You're blessed going out. The blessings will follow all, all around you. If sickness come on you, guess what? You got the name. Hallelujah. I don't need to talk about nobody. I'll talk about my God. I don't need to try to shift blame on anybody. If it's my fault, just say it's me. Save me, O oh Lord. I repent. I change. I turn. Cleanse me with your blood. I confess it out. And, Lord, I'm sorry. And get rid of it. Why are you trying to conceal it when, guess what, it keeps piling up? My granddaughter, she was... She was over in the house, and I'm not going to tell you who she was talking about. She says, you need to stop that lion. You stacking them up. <laughs> she said, you, you stacking them all up. <laughs> and so we need to get rid of that stuff. What is wrong with repenting? What is wrong with coming clean? He says, come as you are. He said, when he talks about the, the, the stones, he says, bring me of the earth. Bring, it, bring me just as you are. Don't try to fix yourself because you can't fix it. None of us can fix ourselves. If you think you can fix yourself, then you're already going the wrong way. We all was born and said, we need transformation. How do we transform our, transform our minds? We transform our minds by looking into the perfect word of liberty. Read it until we get a revelation of it. When the revelation comes, then guess what? The action comes to follow. And then we're transformed. This what it talks about in Isaiah. I think it's chapter 27 or 28. It talks about the fact that 
It is the yoke that destroys, it is the, the anointing that destroys the yoke. You got to remember reading that scripture. And what it's talking about is an ox being chained up to a bigger ox that is pulling the little ox around and just pulls him. And the ox is forced to go the way that the ox is going, trying to train him. I don't want no chain around my neck. But that's what many people do. They got chains around their neck, and these chains around their neck are pulling them down to a road that they don't need to go down. And so what happens is as the, as the ox is treading along, is eating the grass. And it's treading and it's eating. And as it's eating, it's growing. And as it eats some more, it grows some more. Pretty soon, the, 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 the yoke that's around the neck of the smaller ox can't hold the ox in check anymore. And it breaks. And when it breaks, the ox is free. And that's what we have to do. We got to keep consuming the word until the yoke that's around our neck that holds us bound is broken. Are you listening? Only, you, you, listen, you, some of this, you're not going to fast all this stuff off. Fasting just gets you prepared for hearing. Are you listening to me? Hearing comes by the word of God. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? So when I hear it, and hearing also includes in the Greek doing. So I hear it and do it. I might not understand, but I'm still going to do it. So if, if I have to love my enemies, I'm going to find my enemies and do good to them. I'm not going to be angry with my brother to the point that I'm going to call him foolish and stupid and all that kind of stuff. I said, well, maybe he doesn't know any better. The Bible says you can be angry and sin not, right? So you can be angry and say, you know what, that made me mad. But maybe there's something else going on. I don't really know, but I'm going to let it go. Some people can't let it go. They, 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 their eyes get red. Okay, so let me go to Galatians chapter number 6. And I'll be finished. Still a lot more, but I can't. Is this helping anybody? I want you to walk in power and demonstration. We're coming to a time that we're going to need some miracles. We're going to need some things that's going, we need, we're going to need some miracles. We're going to need some people that got some power with God. And this is what God is trying to prepare us to, that we can have power because the world is going to need somebody to look to. And that is you. Galatians 6 and 7 says this. Be not deceived. God is not what? Mark. For whatever, whatsoever a man do what? That he shall also what? For he that soweth to his flesh shall weep. Uh, flesh corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall weep what? Of the spirit weep everlasting life. And it says, let us not be weary and we're doing in due season. You shall weep if we faint not. Which means that it is a spiritual investment to keep doing good, to keep do following the word. It's an investment to keep doing what God tells you to do, keep doing what God tells you to do, because in due time, like the Bible says in, Isaiah, in, in Psalms number one, 
the fruit will be well, you will bear forth fruit in its season. It shall not wither, but it shall bear fruit. And you want to bear fruit. Somebody said, I need to bear some fruit. See, I want some fruit bearing. See, we don't judge people. We just, we, we just look at the fruit. <laughs> what fruit do you have? Now go to chapter 5, and I'm going to end with this. There is a name. Okay, chapter number is Galatians 5. Now, th notice what it says. If we be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, which means that God has transformed your heart. I don't need a law. I don't need nobody to tell me to do my neighbor right. I don't need nobody to tell me not to sin. I don't need nobody to tell me not to commit fornication or commit adultery. It's in my heart. I don't, I don't desire to do that. I don't desire to steal from my neighbor. I don't desire to break in people's homes. I don't desire to murder. It's not there. I don't desire to lie. I don't desire to cheat. I don't like desiring that because it's not there. It's not there. I don't, I don't have that something drive me to do it because I've been broken free from it. Because he rolled on the tables of his heart. He wrote on the tables of my heart his word. But these are the things. This is this right here, you can mark this down. And you, don't, you don't have to mark it if you don't want to. But if you want more anointing in your life, Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 22 is the secret. But this is what God says about the other stuff. But now the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seduction, hearsay, envy, murder, drunkenness, reveling, such like that I wish I would tell you before, but I have also told you in time past. The notice says, if you participate and you're an active member of this, that which I should, that, that which I, they that, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you are participating in any of this stuff, you are a prime candidate for hell. That includes me, includes all of us. God saved us to be transformed us from this to his image, not to be a participant of this. But he says, but the fruit of the spirit is what? Love. I'm talking about agape love. I'm talking about the kind of love that loves your enemies in spite of what they do. I'm talking about the kind of love that they could do the worst thing to you. You could sit there and say, you know what? I forgive you. For Christ has forgiven you. You were once, I was once against God. I was born in sin and iniquity. And so I came out cursing God. I came out against God. I came out doing everything that God would have don't want me to do and I did it because it was in my nature I was already bound for hell and God tried to apprehend me and I didn't want to go leave me alone I don't want to hear all that religious stuff but it's not religious stuff it's rescue stuff it's stuff that he wants to rescue you it has nothing to do with a religion God isn't a religion God is a person and his character is holy and he cannot change who he is he said, I change not. So because he's holy, he can't change. 
is just like a lion or bear or anything else that is born, they're going to be who they are. They can't change their nature. If they're a lion, they, they're going to eat you if they get hungry. If they're a bear, they're going to look for some fish inside the river to capture. And if you get in their way, they might swipe you down. A cat jumps up and walks around everywhere. A dog is going to bark. A cat is going to meow. They can't change their character. That's who they are. God is no different. He can't change his holiness. And God is trying to protect us from that holiness because that holiness, sin can't stand in front of it. So in order for him to save us, blood had to be shed. So now we come before him with the blood covering us. Cleanses us. And now we can boldly come before his throne. And this is what he says. I will love you more than you love yourself. Because what my purpose is, is to save you. Most of our love is conditional. We want you to, we love you because you gave me a gift. Oh, you said you love me and I love you. That's not God's love. God's love says, you could be wretched and I'm going to love you until you get right. I'm going to love you despite of what you have done. I'm going to still bring you in. You cursed me out the other week, but I'm still going to bring you in. And you mean to tell me that we can't forgive our brothers and sisters when Christ has forgiven us of all that mess that we did? Something's wrong. If I got the image of God in me, I'm obligated to forgive you. Joy, unspeakable, full of glory. The joy that we have is not something that because I get excited about, you gave me a gift, Courtney. Joy says that I know in whom I believe. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't care what's going on around me. He's my strength. He's my hiding place. He's me. I'm him. And I can have joy despite of what is going on around me. Peace. He's just singing a song that says, peace like a river. You could be peace in the midst of confusion and still have peace. You're not worried about nothing. Some people are worried, oh, my bills, my, my bills, my bills, my bills. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. They're going to come and lock me out. They're going to come and do this. They're going to take my car. And a saint that trusts their God and says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Because I know him. He's going to take care of me because you promised it. Long-suffering. I mean, people are short-suffering today. <laughs> they, they, short, they don't, they don't want to suffer long. And then from a human standpoint, we don't want to suffer long. I don't want to suffer a long time. <laughs> but because of him, I can endure. I can endure the suffering. Then gentleness. Everybody wants somebody to be gentle. They don't want somebody to be mean and talk to them down and talk to them like they're beneath them. And people want some gentleness in life, right? You know, we're looking wonderful today. You're, you're good. They want, they want somebody to be gentle, not mean. Goodness. You want goodness. You want faith. And I'm going real fast on these. And meekness and temperance. Notice what it says, against such there is no law. The reason why there's no law because it's in the tables of their heart. It's part of their character. 
if I have this and I come to God with my worship and my praise, the mountains will move. The seas will stop. The billows will cease because he hears me. And at the appointed time, things will begin to happen in my life and they will see that God is in me. Because God uses you as a display. So some things is gonna be, you're going to have to go through because you're on display. If you're suffering long, there's somebody watching you while you're suffering because God wants to let you be a testimony. They still here? They still going through that? You can say yes. Why? Because in whom I believe, he liveth in me. You should know him too. Can he do that to me? Most certainly can. How? How? It's supernatural. Because he is the living God. He created you. I mean, this gives an opportunity to open the door to testify. I mean, you could do a little hacking too at some time, depending on who you're talking to. You don't have to be up here in the pulpit. Matter of fact, more miracles happen down in the congregations now than on the pulpit. Why? Because there's people out there that's hurting. And God is sending you out to gather them into the kingdom because the kingdom has come and the kingdom is in you. So when we come in, we charge up, we power up. You know how the power, the power, the power rangers charge up? We, we come in to worship and we charge up because there's a devil out there that needs to be defeated and his works need to be defeated and we're coming in to charge up with our worship and so he'll begin to manifest. And then when we go out, we're ready for another week to whip the devil, tear his kingdom down and bring souls into the kingdom and tear down sicknesses and tear down diseases and cast out devils. And I ain't got to be in the church to do it. I'll just be it on the street. You got a devil out there, bring him to me. <laughs> Amen. That's what, this is why you're here. So our altar's got to be right. I got to lift him up with a pure heart. So let's stand on our feet. Tell somebody next to you that God is, God is touching you right now. Come here, I got to say some stuff. You know, you got to be, you know, I, I learned something over the years. I learned that if you want to activate the things of God, you got to speak, speak it out can't be all silent and stuff like that. Like, oh, oh, it's going to be all right. You got to say, it's going to be all right because God said it. You got to be bold about it. You got to have some tenacity. You got to know in who you serve and who you love and whom you put your trust in. How many trust God? Come on. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? You ought to just tell him, say, Lord, I trust you. Say, I trust you with my life. I trust you with everything. I want to bring you my sacrifice of praise because I need you to come. I need you to come. Come. I need you to come. And when I, when I say come, it's kind of a, 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 it's a phrase because God is already there, but you want him to manifest. That's really what you want because he's in you right now. 
And he's asking, let me out, let me out, let me come, let me manifest. Let me manifest in your life. Let me change you. Let me change people around you. Let me change your atmosphere. Because God in you, the hope of glory. You are a glory carrier. Somebody said, I'm a glory carrier. You got you to declare that every day. Even if your, your mind don't believe it, you need to declare it every single day until your mind and your mouth lines up. Keep saying it until it happens. And one morning you'll wake up and it says, I am a glory carrier. You see, when that happens, then glory will come out of you. Somebody say hallelujah. Because now you're in agreement with what God's word says. And guess what? Now you're ready to loose the power of God into the earth. You're ready to declare it. So when you're walking down the street, you might see somebody in the wheelchair. God says, touch that person. You say, oh, okay, I'm being obedient to God. Ma'am, can I pray for you? It, would it be all right? And they'll probably say, most times they say, sure. Not expected nothing. But I love those instances. They don't expect nothing. And it says, when I pray for you, you don't have to pray. Don't do nothing. Jesus is going to do it all. And all of a sudden, when you lay hands on they say, what was that? They feel a charge go through them. And all of a sudden, they start saying, whoa, I didn't feel that. I'm feeling something now. Then they jump out of that wheelchair. Then you be talking about, they be saying, well, thank you for what you did. You say, no. The king did it. Jesus, king of kings and lord of lords, he did the job. Somebody say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God is good and God is great. And he is greatly to be praised. Take my life as a sacrifice. Come on. I want to burn for you. Only for you. Come on, make this a sentiment of your heart.
as a sacrifice, I want a life for you. Put those hands up. We're going to pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I want you to pray. I want you to really pray that you become that burning sacrifice. I want you to pray that that, that fire consumes you. I want you to pray that everything that is in you that you offer up to him that is not like him be burned. And everything that is him be pushed in you. Because we're living in a time and the day that righteous have got to stand. And we got to know that the God that we serve, he's able and he, we want him to use us. And so as you begin to pray, and, and I don't know if you feel comfortable and it's up to you and not trying to make nobody do anything, but if you would just take the hand of the person next to you, you don't have to, it's fine. But we're in a time that we need to trust our living God. So I just want us to pray. Pray for the person's hand that you're holding. Pray for their family. Pray for their loved ones. Pray that strongholds be torn down. Pray that the blood of Jesus covers them. Pray that God heals them and delivers them and set them free. Pray that God will open up their eyes of their understanding. Pray that the spirit of wisdom be upon them. 
pray that God's blessings and promises be upon their lives. Come on, you declare it. You have authority to declare it. You can say it. You can declare it. You can decree it in the name of Jesus. And Father, we come boldly before your throne one more time. And Father, we thank you. Everybody just pray. Just pray. If you can pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Don't worry about what I'm doing. Father, I thank you right now as we come boldly before your throne right now, knowing that you're a God that moves, knowing that you're a God that delivers, knowing that you're a God that sets free, knowing that you're a God that does miracles, knowing that you're a God that delivers, you're a God that does all things well. There's no other God but you. And Father, we come boldly before your throne. You said that we could come boldly in the, the time of need and the time of help. Lord, we thank you right now for what you're doing. And Lord, look over the congregation of your people, Father. Begin to move and touch in their lives, Father. Every stronghold, every demonic attack, Lord. We curse it now in the name of Jesus. We come against it, Lord, using our authority in the high place. You said we are seated with you in the high places. And Lord, we are seated with you because of the authority that you have given us. And Father, we declare right now that the sons who the Son sets free is free indeed. We declare right now, Father, that your word is moving upon them. We declare right now, Father, that the Lord God Almighty is in their life moving and delivering and setting free. We declare right now, Father, that their families are blessed. They're blessed going in. They're blessed going out. Lord, we know that your Lord, the enemy is trying to attack them. But we come against what the enemy is doing. We take authority right now. We bombard the enemy with heaven's words. We bombard the enemy with the word of the living God. We declare right now that they're free. We declare right now that every enemy is being destroyed. The works of the enemy is being destroyed right now in the name of Jesus. We come against every sickness and every disease that is in their bodies right now, Father. Let the power of the living God, Lord, begin to illuminate them, begin to touch them, begin to, begin to feel the anointing, the power of God that moves in their body. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Lord, recreate bones and recreate muscles and recreate veins and create, Lord, Lord, muscles in those areas of their lives, Father. We ask you to recreate those areas of their lives that are weak, Lord. You said the weak shall declare they're strong, and we declare right now they're not only strong in their spirit, but they're strong in their bodies. We declare right now that their immune system is being raised up. We declare right now, Lord, those that with low immune system, Lord, let it rise, Lord. We thank you right now. And, Father, we promise to eat right. We promise to do the thing you told us. But, Father, we need you now in the name of Jesus. Now begin, Lord, to begin to touch them, begin to move upon them. Let your power, Lord. We declare, Lord, we agree with what your word says. You are the God that heals. You are the God that delivers. You are a way maker. You are a God that creates. And, Lord, those things that are defecting their bodies, we ask you to move upon them. We ask you to touch them. We ask you to deliver them. We ask you to set people free. For who the Son set free is free indeed. Lord, begin to move upon their families. Begin to move upon their finances. Begin to move upon every area that the enemy has tried to attack. We come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. We declare now, Lord, you said in your word that you would do it. And Father, because you said it, we come into agreement right now. I hope everybody's praying. Father, I thank you right now for the miraculous. I thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing. You said the blood is covering us. And Father, we thank you right now. And Father, we repent as a congregation for, Lord, not doing the right things, transgressing our relationship with each other, transgressing our relationship with you. But we repent of it, Lord. Cleanse our heart. Cleanse our mind. Search our hearts, Father. And if there's anything in our heart, Lord, that should not be revealed to us, Lord, and remove it from our hearts by your word. 
Lord, we thank you for what you're doing right now. Transform us into that image that we behold. We worship you and worship you alone. Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you alone. We denounce every work of the enemy. We denounce every work of the devil. We renounce every work of evil spirits in our lives. We denounce it right now. And we declare that the word is moving. The word of the Lord is moving right now in our lives, moving in the lives of your people, Father. Begin to touch them. We speak against cancer. Die in the name of Jesus. We speak against heart conditions. Recreate. Move right now. Move upon their bodies. Move upon their hearts. Muscles that are weak. Strengthen them. Those that feel weak in their bodies, strengthen them. Give them that energy, Father, in the name of Jesus. Those that are having problems in their legs, begin to work it, Lord, in their legs, Father. Send the angels of healing to begin to work in their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. I ask it in your name, Father, for your name's sake and glory, because you're the sweetest name, the name Jesus. And in the name, Father, we declare right now that healing is taking place. We declare now, right now, Father, that we created miracles is taking place. We declare right now, Father, that power is taking place in their body, in their minds, Father. Change hearts, change minds. And we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to do miraculous things right now in the name of Jesus. Any pain that's in the body, we rebuke it right now. And the pain is leaving the body now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing. We thank you, Father, for it. Come on, I want you to pray real intensely for one more minute. Come on, just to pray real intensely right now in the name of Jesus. Pray in the spirit. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Move by your power and by your glory. Lord, do it right now, Father, because your word declares it. And we declare now in the name of Jesus, touch and heal and deliver. There's nobody else that can do it but you, Lord. And, Lord, we declare that your word is going.